to think. I was so dense, I didn't even prepare for it. I didn't even expect it. I was just kind of going with the flow. And yet, in the moment when they said, why do you want to get baptized, a sincerity came over me in a desire to profess my faith in Christ. So when that guy caught me and I came up out of the water and I heard the words raised to new life, and everybody's clapping and hollering, and I remember walking out. Yeah, I was wet. My clothes were wet. I didn't have a change of clothes. But you know what? For a few hours, I was uncomfortable. And yet, for the rest of my life, I have a memory I'll never forget. That's what we're talking about today. By your head, Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, we ask that you would open up our minds and our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Kids, you may start filling out your sheets. We got baptism sheets for you. I promise this won't be too long. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. This is, we're going to get to the scripture in a moment. But baptisms in the ancient world were really nothing new. Uh, it, it, a lot of people may think baptisms began with the church and began with Christianity. But the fact is, baptisms were taken, it was a well-known ritual around the ancient world. Uh, they would get baptized all the time. It was almost equated with ritual cleansing. The Babylonians in, the, uh, uh, in their ancient writings, they would constantly uh, get baptized before they went to war or after one of their parties. Uh, you know, they, they would, uh, you know, there, there'd be kind of the spiritual cleansing that they go through. Osiris, who is the ancient god of Egypt, it was fabled that he was immortal, but he drowned in the Nile. And so if you wanted to get baptized into Osiris, you would go down to the Nile and you would get baptized into the name of Osiris in the Iliad. If you've read that, especially if you look at some of the original Greek of the Iliad, Homer has the Greek army getting baptized before they sailed for Troy. Roman women were baptized into a god named Sibylle. And uh, again, it, it kind of had that spiritual cleansing, that sense of spiritual cleansing. The ancients came to two conclusions about baptisms. Why am I mentioning this? Because this is what the people of Jesus' day would have associated with baptism. This is how they thought about it. They thought about it like this. Number one, their first conclusion was the body and soul in its current state is not qualified to live forever. In other words, they were smart enough to recognize we do not have immortality as is. And the second thing that they recognized is that being baptized into a deity was a public declaration both of who you are trusting to live forever for eternal life and to which place you will go to follow that deity. So if you were baptized into Zeus, you were not only trusting in Zeus, but you would go where Zeus is in the afterlife. If you were baptized into Osiris, you were not only trusting in Osiris, you would go where Osiris was. You know, uh, and of course in that myth, it was at the headwaters of the Nile. So, you know, all these things, when the Christians came around and said, we're going to baptize you into Jesus, it was two things. I am trusting in Jesus for immortality, and when I die, I'm going to go where Jesus went. And of course, where did Jesus go? Into paradise. 
Remember that? When he says to the guy on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. You're going to go where I'm going. Now remember, Jesus was baptized. Now that's kind of odd. Because, you know, Osiris wouldn't have been baptized. Zeus was not baptized. All of these were above and kind of, you know, beyond humanity. One of the incredible things about Jesus Christ is that he was one of us. And did he need to be baptized? Obviously not in the same way we do. But his baptism was a strong statement that said this. I identify with these broken human people. I am one of them. I go into the waters as one of them. I will die as one of them. I will rise as one of them. I am a son and a descendant of Adam and of God. An amazing statement that Jesus makes with his baptism. And of course, Judaism had ritual cleansing for a long time. Uh, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in Qumran, the people who lived there, they baptized themselves every day. And here's the big deal about that. Paul would write in Ephesians that we believe in one God, there is one spirit, and there is one baptism. I think it's Ephesians 4, verse 5. Don't quote me on that. I think I'm right. And he says there's one baptism. And here's the big thing that Paul is saying. I know that, you know, because we make mistakes, we think we need to get rebaptized over and over and over and over and over. But being baptized into Jesus is so powerful and so effective, it is not necessary to get baptized over and over and over because you are mystically united with that death and resurrection when you get baptized. All of the ancients, that would have been a brand new thing. They get baptized over and over and over because they weren't sure. And I think that's maybe what I came out of the water with over 20 years ago now. There was an assurance. I'd never felt so sure of what I believed and what I, what I, what I believed to be reality. Jesus himself at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, in the Great Commission, what does he say to all of his followers? He says, this is what I want you to do when I'm gone. I want you to go out in the world, right? And I want you to make what? Make cake? No. Make cookies? No. I want you to make disciples. And how do we make disciples? He gives us two verbs as to how we make disciples. We want and we want them. We baptize and teach, right? Baptize and teach everything that, that Jesus taught in the Gospels. And so the question on the table, especially in the ancient world, was not if you got baptized. Even today, it's not if you got baptized. Here's the big question. Here's what it comes down to. Who? Did you get baptized into? Who are you trusting? I was explaining this once to uh, uh, someone who didn't believe in God. And he said, well, 
what, what would you say to me if, I don't if I'm not trusting in anything? I would say you are trusting in you. You are declaring that you are qualified to make that statement about the afterlife. You're trusting in your unbelief and hoping you're right. So you're trusting in you. The difference is I'm not trusting in me. I don't have the world figured out. But I do know this. I do know this. I am fairly confident, although I've never gone back and forth, but fairly confident, stake my life on it, that two seconds after we die, we are still very much thinking, still very much aware as the spirit separates from the body. And, uh, you know, every time I have uh, conversations with this, with people who are open, you know, some people are closed, don't want any accountability in their life, don't, you know, don't want to really, the, the thought of God is just too stressful for them. You know, that, that, that's one section of people. But, but for the ones that are truly open, I can just kind of see their eyes light up, you know? That, that desire. It's almost like, I, they, they, they almost look at me like, I want to believe. I want that. After Peter gave his first sermon, the very first sermon of the Christian church, what did he say? He said, repent and be baptized. And so we get to Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 10. And if you look, uh, next slide here, this is really Paul's explanation. You may say, okay, all right. So if, if baptism is getting baptized into Jesus, kind of de publicly declaring the who you're trusting in for eternal life and, and where you want to go, then what, what is the meaning, what is the mechanics, particularly of Christian baptism? Because Jesus didn't drown in the Nile, and so we're obviously not emulating that. What are we emulating? We are emulating something. We're emulating the cross. So Paul says in verse 3, and I, I, I just paraphrased these, but I'll read the whole verse for you. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Stop right there. Being baptized into Jesus' death would have been a very unique way to say it in the ancient world because everybody else, you would have baptized somebody into the deity's life, right? You don't want to get baptized into somebody's death. You want to get baptized into Zeus's life. You want to get baptized into uh, Osiris's life. You want to get baptized into Athena's life. You, you want to get baptized into Jesus's death? What, in the, what gives? What, what in the world? Why would you do that? And Paul explains it in 2 Corinthians. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin. In other words, all of the mistakes of the world, the sin of humanity, everything piled on Jesus in that one moment so that we, through his becoming of sin, might become the righteousness of Christ. Let me say, well, what does that mean? It means this. When you get baptized and you declare your who, and you declare your where. When God looks down upon you, he doesn't see your goodness. He sees Jesus's. Amen. And you may say, well, where did my goodness go? It went in the grave. That's what baptized into his death means. That the death Jesus died is, the, now, now the death that needs to be died is over. 
And now we get to rise in Christ. That make sense? Second thing, verse 4. We went therefore, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. In other words, buried with him. Uh, you know, the, the key point here you'll find in Acts chapter 2 is that Peter says when they tried to bury Jesus, he wouldn't stay dead. You know, it's like playing a video game. And, you know, and, and we do, my sons do, and I, and, 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 you know, but the funny thing is when you're playing the video game, I'm not really afraid. Why? Because even if I die, I will re-what? Re-spawn. Right? I'll respawn. You know? I remember once I saw a sick play, an Arthur Miller play. Some of you may know what it is. And, and part of the play was about this guy who was immortal, and he could not die. And all throughout the play, you know, he gets. He gets all these different ways that somebody can be killed, and he keeps coming back to life. But it's kind of a picture of Jesus. We could kill him a thousand times. Death cannot lay hold of him. He just won't stay dead. Not that we want him to. I mean, I didn't say it like that to imply you know, a, a frustration about that. I mean, we, you know, you can't stay dead because death cannot keep its hold on. And so what happens when we kill him? He just comes back to life. And what happens when we die? We just come back to life. Death cannot hold us because death could not hold Jesus. And when we get baptized into his death, we get Jesus' death and resurrection. Buried with him. When we're buried with him, what does that mean? It means that grave cannot hold you dead. You will come out alive. Number five. Verse five. For if, you've been, we, you, if we have been united with him in death like this, we will also certainly be united with him in his resurrection. Verse five. United to him. United to him in his death. United to him in his life. What happens to him happens to us. It's like the, 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 the other criminal who was dying on the cross next to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, will you take me into your kingdom? What did Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. What's going to happen to me is going to happen to you. I like that. Verse 6 and 7. He says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. I'll explain this. Actually, Paul does. In verse 7, he says, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. At some point, especially when I'm talking to people who, who don't believe in God, and I always have these conversations with Starbucks. Starbucks is a haven. It's my evangelism corner. And, uh, and I always say this. I say, I say, I believe there's a possibility you're going to have a lot of regret if you don't take some of what I'm saying seriously. And they say, why? I say, because all of that which is in you right now that is kind of anti-God, kind of, oh, I don't want want anything to do with God. All of that that is in you for every person on earth, when you die, that dies with you. That, that, That sinful nature dies when we die. And how... 
regretful you'll feel to have not made a choice for God when everything that was holding you back, you're going to one day set aside. I said, if anything, that is the great regret of, you know, of death is not so much the losing of our you know, flesh and bones so much as it is uh, the fact that there's a, a transformation and, and you know, we, we, we missed in this life to experience exactly what baptism symbolizes, uh, being buried and united with him. And then finally, verse 8 to 11, says, Now if we die with Christ, we'll also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. The death he died, he died once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. It's essentially Paul saying, why wait? Why wait until after you die to live the life that God has for you? When you get it now. When we were part of a, I joined a gym up in Tacoma. And for a long time, I didn't want to pay the extra racquetball fee. It was only like $8 a month, but I was pretty cheap then. I'm still cheap. But the point is, you know, I didn't want to spend another $8 a month just for racquetball. But, you know, I finally, you know, some of my friends were doing this. You know, all right, I'll throw it on there. So I bought the membership, and I didn't have any clothes or anything, but the guy's like, hey, why wait? He's like, I got a, a we got, the gym's got some racquetballs, and racquet, you want, why don't you go test it out now? And so I had a buddy of mine there, and we went and tested it out. And, uh, and the, the, the gym trainer said, whatever you do, hit low. So I, I bounced the ball, and I hit it, and I hit low, and as soon as I hit it, I lost sight of it. And at the very last moment, it comes and it hit me right in the side of the head. And it bounces off and it hits the wall. It hurt. I was in pain until I looked back. And I didn't realize this about racquetball courts. The next people who are on the schedule sit on the bench and watch your game and wait for you to end. And so when I looked back and I saw that, they were all laughing at what had just happened. That's not funny. <laughs> Why wait? <laughs> I can give you one reason. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is there are bumps along the road. As we begin to live our life with Christ, we're not going to serve the ball well every time. Sometimes we're going to get hit in the head. Sometimes other people are going to laugh at us. Sometimes all those things are going to happen at once. But over time, you can ask my <laughs> wife, over time, I became addicted to the sport. I'd end the youth group early so me and the boys could go play racquetball. That wasn't one of my best moments, but you know, uh, I mean, I, I really became consumed with it. And, and after a while, I was the one laughing at people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is part of why I can't emphasize enough the retreat we're going to have with Mike Evans. October 2nd and 3rd is going to be a huge point in our church's history. If you have a phone right now, mark it on your calendar. If you have a piece of paper, mark it on a piece of paper. If, you have a, if there's a comment card, take that comment card, put your name on it, and say, I want to come to the Mike Evans thing on the 2nd and 3rd. I'll be there. We're starting at 6.30, and we're going to feed you because I know many of you work. You get home late. You don't want to work. Get home late. Make dinner and rush to church. Just get home. Shower and come to church. I'll feed you physically and we'll feed you spiritually. Amen? Amen. All right. Last but not least, you can put up the last slide there. In a nutshell, Christian baptism right here. 
It's symbolic of one's becoming in Christ and trusting in Jesus in the afterlife. That's the statement you're making when you go down to the water. It is an experience of God's grace. Hey, that crotchety old Baptist pastor, he was right. You'll experience something. Third, it symbolizes a person's desire to have Jesus' death and resurrection be united to their death and resurrection. And finally, it is an obedient response to faith in Christ. I got up out of the water that day, 18 years old, all wet, smelled like a river for the rest of the day. But you know what? It was a very small price to pay to walk out and for a moment have a smile on my face like I never had before. I can't encourage you enough. Jesus gave his life so that we would be forgiven. And I'm going to do something a little bold for America this morning. If you want to get baptized, come on down. Do it. I don't care if you're in your Sunday best. Our Sunday best is temporary. Today, September 7th, 2014, is temporary. What we do in this tank is eternal. If you're not dressed appropriately, I'll throw my brown towel around you. Doesn't matter. I'm serious. If you want to come get baptized, if you want to say to the spiritual realm, solidify the belief in your heart, and all of this right here, and you make it solid, come on down and do it. I was baptized as a baby. I didn't know what I was doing. I, didn't, I was still spitting up, you know, food. I mean, you know, that, not to say that that wasn't important, but it was far, far more of an experience when I made the decision on my own 18 years later. I don't regret getting baptized as an infant. I don't regret getting baptized as an adult. So I, I'll just lay it out there for all of you right now. I'm going to ask Travis and Jenny because I know they're getting baptized. But if there's anybody else, you're like, you know what? I want to I wanna cross over. I want to do it. I want to declare that I'm going to trust in Jesus in the afterlife. Go where he goes and be united with him in his death and in his resurrection. Then I want you to come and line up behind Travis and Jenny. I don't care if you're in your street clothes. We'll do it. Uh, sometimes, in fact, won't that make an even better memory? You know what? I just went and did it. Didn't matter how I was dressed that day. Didn't matter if my makeup was perfect. Didn't matter if I brushed my teeth. Wow. Although you should always brush your teeth before you courteous here. All right, I'm gonna. We're gonna show a very quick video so that I can get changed. I'm gonna ask uh, Pastor Shannon to come on up. He's gonna assist me today. Shannon, if you could get in the tank first, that would be wonderful. Make sure that if you don't get electrocuted, then you know. You can be my Nehemiah this morning. So, uh, and then I'm going to step back for a moment. We'll watch a quick video. Travis and Jenny, if you can come around the other side. Anybody else? If the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, just do it. Just do it.